If you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. Okay, Corey, this is the last of our three episodes talking about uh, doctrine and faith and the substance of those things. And, and when we get away from, uh, you know, the doctrinal formulations of the ages and the substance of biblical authority and the, the apostolic authority to teach and the apostolic authority of the church that we sort of wander into perhaps other gospels, mm-hmm. which brings us to the H word, which is heresy. Mm-hmm. Now, heresy is a, uh, is, is a word with that's really loaded, right? And as soon as people hear heresy, they just get really, really hinky. And uh, because it's, it's not a very modern word and it's sort of a scary word. And you think heresy is something that comes from the middle ages when they, you know, burned people at the stake or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Heresy is actually a very technical word. It has a very technical formal meaning. And so why don't you explain to us what heresy actually is and, and dispel us of the, mo, the you know, medieval image of, you know, I don't know, people burning at stakes or whatever, and, and explain what heresy actually is. Sure. So I would back up from it to start is that obviously there's the truth of what the church teaches. Um, and there are plenty of truths that Jesus is God and man, that there's a Trinity, the, the, um, the truths about what the church is about what, you know, the age to come will be about morality. There's all kinds of truths that the church teaches. And so it is possible simply to be ignorant of those truths, um, or of some of them to not know about them. That's not what we're talking about when we say heresy. Um, it's also possible just to be mistaken, uh, to be wrong. Um, the word we would probably use for that would be error, um, to, to have some mistaken notion of the church is teachings just because you weren't taught well or because you misunderstood or you've forgotten. Um, and, and that's not exactly what we mean by heresy either, because anyone can have an, make an honest mistake um, and believe something that isn't true. And then if that's pointed out to them and they say, okay, I, I was wrong. Um, the church is right. And I was wrong. Um, that's not heresy either. Um, so heresy is, is a sin or a, or a mistake and a, a error um, that can only be committed by someone who is a Christian. So someone who is baptized, who is called to believe the truths that the church declares. Um, and it's a, it's a persistent doubt or denial of the truth um, that the church teaches as divinely revealed. Um, and so that means that you're not a heretic if you um, were corrected and you say, oh, my bad, um, I was wrong. Um, you're not a heretic automatically the, when that's pointed out. Um, you're a heretic, you've committed heresy if you know that the church tells you otherwise, 
and you continually persistently say, no, I believe this other thing that is not what the church teaches. Um, and that would be formal heresy, that you are aware that you believe something that the church says is wrong and you are going to do it anyways. Um, there is something also called material heresy, or I know in conversation you referred to it as informal heresy, just to contrast it with formal heresy, um, where you're not aware that you're in that situation, where you you believe something that's heretical, but, um, it hasn't been pointed out to you, um, or you've just, you know, gone this far in your life and, and it hasn't come up and that's a different thing. Um, there's certainly hope for you in that case because it can be corrected, but formal heresy, you know, that you're doing it, you're making a choice. Um, the word heresy itself, the the etymological roots have to do with choice. You're choosing to believe something that is contrary to what the church teaches. Okay, great. F- fantastic explication of that. So, right, with, over the last 2,000 years, there's lots of examples of heresy, but give us a really relevant one, uh, something that doesn't come from the ancient world that people haven't <laughs> heard of, but give me a practical example of what formal heresy would be, like something today. Sure. Um, so there are obviously different kinds of truth that the church teaches. Um, if I say, as many people do, that the Eucharist is not really the real presence of Christ, that would be a heresy um, because the church teaches that if, Christ is truly okay, present. Okay, to follow your example, mm-hmm. if I say that the Eucharist is not really the body and blood of Christ and then somebody corrects me, right? My pastor, my priest comes along and says, hey, hold on a second. It really is. And I go, uh, and uh, I'm not sure. And they say, hey, I'll sit down with you and I'll explain to you why it really is. And, and I'll here, show you that this is the authoritative Yeah, here's the, the you know, thing, the catechism or whatever. And, 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 it's, and I go, you know what, having all of that, I still insist. And I'm going to still insist and declare that to be the case. I have now, what, become a, a heretic. Yes. Okay, we're calling this episode the H word because it's, you know, the word that like, you know, nobody really wants to say. And it's a word that has been thrown around a lot lately, uh, increasingly in the Catholic Church um, in some very impassioned debates amongst Catholics. Like if you're brave enough, go on to Twitter. <laughs> we recommend it. And go on to Catholic, go on to Catholic Twitter. And you can watch Catholics of every stripe and from every you know, part of the Catholic theological spectrum just go at each other with, you know, it's like the scene from um, West Side Story where the sharks and the jets, you know, just beat each other with sticks and, you know, chains in the street uh, on Catholic Twitter and everybody calling each other a heretic, Okay. But a lot of the people calling each other heretics is because of the, the debate over what we need to do in order to come to communion, mm. to come to the Eucharist. And traditionally, Catholic teaching is very clear on this, which is that when we are in mortal sin, we must refrain from the Eucharist until we have absolution through the act of reconciliation correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And there is this sort of other or new school of thought that people 
who are in a quote-unquote, that's what they would say, a quote-unquote objective state of moral sin do not need to reconcile that to come to the table, whether that is their marital situation, other moral issues in their life, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have this sort of movement in the Catholic Church and I'm going to cite the, for example, the synodal way, the German synod, the German bishops, uh, the Catholic church that are saying, hey, people that are in what the traditional church would have considered an objective state of moral sin do not need to be rec- formally reconciled and give up that, those, object- those sinful conditions in their lives in order to come to the to the Eucharist. Well, in many cases, proponents of this school of thought would actually take issue with the definition of those acts as moral sins. Correct. Not just saying that it's okay to receive the Eucharist if you're in a state of mortal sin, but to, to actually flip it and say that they're not in a state of mortal sin. Well, and hence why on Catholic Twitter, the word heresy is tossed around because the question is, what makes you a heretic? So the reason I'm bringing this up is that not that we're going to sort of litigate this here, but that heresy a lot of times does come down to affirming or denying. The question of heresy comes down to whether you affirm or deny these fundamental teachings of the church. So the reason why this is being debated on Twitter is that the stakes are so great. Because who can receive the Eucharist and under what conditions comes down to fundamental teachings of the church. Mm -hmm. And when you weigh in on that, or you take in a formal opinion on that, or you engage in that, you're really dealing with the formal dogmatic uh, issues of the church and the stakes become very high. You want, you want to speak to that? Well, yeah. I mean, the stakes of heresy are the salvation of souls, Um, the salvation of the soul of the person in heresy, um, because our beliefs if our if our beliefs are right, they lead us closer to God and closer to heaven. And if they're wrong, they lead us farther from God and and closer to hell and of everyone else. Because I mean, no one is orthodox or is a heretic in a vacuum. It influences other people. We'll get back to the conversation in just a few moments. But first, I'd like to ask for your support in producing and expanding this podcast. It's produced by a 501c3 nonprofit ministry called One Whirling Adventure, with a mission to excite and educate people about historic Catholic Christianity and to equip them to live, share, and defend it in the 21st century. Now, the production budget of this podcast isn't big, but it is real. We've set a goal of 40,000 worldwide downloads in 2023 with a crowdfunding goal of $35,000 to make that happen. Would you help us make that happen? If so, please go to consideringcatholicism.com. You can see our GuideStar charity rating there and donate online with a one-time or recurring gift. And if you have a business or organization interested in sponsoring our ministry, please shoot me an email, greg at consideringcatholicism.com. Thank you for listening and considering helping us to help others consider Catholicism. And now, back to the conversation.
so let's consider two people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's consider Bob, who is a layperson, and let's consider uh, Father Fred, who's a priest. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then let's consider Bishop Barry. I don't know. I'm thinking of B word, <laughs> right? Uh, so, anyway, uh, Bob uh, is in an, irre- in an irregular marriage. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's left his wife. He's sort of married another woman without uh, having outside the first, of the church, outside of the church, or without having the first marriage been annulled. Right. And Bob wants to come to communion. Okay. Now, Bob isn't a heretic for coming to communion in an irregular marriage. He, he may be sinful. It may be wrong for him to do so, but it doesn't make him a heretic. Right. Okay. But now, Father Fred, if Father Fred advises Bob and says, Bob, it doesn't matter that you're married to this other woman. I'll give you communion anyway. Does that make Father Fred a heretic? If Father Fred is denying the truth, which I suppose he is explicitly, um, yeah, I suppose in a way you would say that he is. I mean, he's, he's doing something wrong. It is, it is a sin to advise. It's a, it's a sin of scandal um, to advise someone to, to do something that is against God's law. So now let's go up the chain of command. And let's say that Bishop Barry is aware that there are people in his diocese, that there are churches in his diocese, pastors in his diocese that are allowing people like Bob to come and take communion in irregular moral situations. And Bishop Barry isn't going to do anything about that. Mm. Okay. In fact, he's just going to look the other way or he's going to, you know, does that make, and again, I know you're, you're not the arbiter or the judge here for the church, but we're just trying to apply the definition you gave earlier. Does that make Bishop Barry, is he committing heresy? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the thing here is that heresy is in a sense an, a crime of the intellect, if you will. It's asserting something that isn't true obstinately. So, okay. So what if Bishop Barry uh, has his uh, annual uh, pa- priest conference mm-hmm. and convocation and gathers them all together and says, hey, look, or sends a, you know, a memo out to his priest and says, look, I don't want anybody in this uh, diocese turned away from communion just because they're in an irregular marriage. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and, uh, I uh, by my Episcopal authority, you know, tell you not to deny communion to anybody in an irregular marriage. Does that now, does Bishop Barry now trip into beginning to sort of say things or to enforce things knowingly? I don't know. And then let's go one step up and let's have Cardinal Carl. Now Cardinal Carl um, writes a book or publishes or talks and says, you know, I really think that, um, the, the, the Catholic church has been wrong about this for a long time and, and that it's time for the Catholic church to, for, uh, changing the understanding of, uh, the relationship between, uh, mortal sin and access to the Eucharist. Does that now trip 
Cardinal Carl into a heretical situation. The reason I bring this up, okay, and I'm being really kind of pussyfooting around this kind of deal is because this is exactly the sort of thing that's going on. If you read Mm -hmm. the Catholic blogs or you read Catholic news services, you know that there are some priests and there are some bishops and there are some cardinals that are out there that are taking this exact position. Mm -hmm. And then there are some other priests and bishops and cardinals that are saying, hey, you know, that seems heretical to me. And so there's there's a, a kerfluffle going on if you, you know, take two seconds to go on the internet. Yeah. I, I think that if we apply our definitions that we, we talked about earlier, um, the bishop or the cardinal would certainly be wrong. He would be in error. Um, and then if he's called out on it, if there's fraternal correction, especially if the other cardinal or the other bishop says, hey, what you're saying is against the Catholic faith. Can you either clarify what you meant? Maybe we misunderstood you. or can you recant essentially and and say, I was wrong about that. Um, And if they persist in it, then it's heresy and whether or not it is, um, you know, whether, whether or not the force of the law is brought on that, whether or not there's a penalty would be, well, in in that case with a bishop or, or a cardinal, that would be up to the Pope. Yeah, and the reason I'm partly I'm bringing this up is that I get asked about this, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, okay, we're let's just, you know, we're, we're trying beating around the bush here, but this is stuff that's going on in the news, mm-hmm. and it doesn't take two seconds on the internet to find that this stuff is happening. And, you know, you've got a uh, large number of bishops in Germany, a whole, basically the German bishops conference that is basically... Uh, uh, contradicting church teaching and advocating strenuously to overturn and defy church teaching on this, which has a whole lot of people around the world saying the German bishops are basically, you know, tripping into heresy and schism. And so I get asked about this not only by Catholics, but I have people that are considering Catholicism and wanting to sort of join the Catholic church or mm-hmm. considering going, wait a minute, it seems like it's in turmoil right now over this issue. So I think without, you know, sort of getting into it too deeply at this point, that's the reason I kind of want to bring it up because mm-hmm. I think it takes, you know, we should have at least some understanding of what these things are. The Catholic church believes in revealed dogmatic truth. Mm-hmm. And who knows how these stories are going to play out because we don't haven't seen how they play out. You know, in church history, there have been movements and controversies and conflicts, and a lot of times they play out over years or decades. Well, and in, in what people in authority, whether it's a pope or a bishop or or yeah. even just your parish priest, what they do about it is a matter of prudential judgment. Yeah. Um, and we can, of course, talk about the merits of different um, actions that people have taken or, or could take in the present uh, situation. No, we, yeah, we don't know how it's going to turn out. We don't yeah. know for the Bishop, for Bishop Barry or Cardinal Carl or the German bishops or whatever it is. We don't know yet how this is going to completely play out, you know? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and again, I'm not here to sort of, you know, talk about current events as much as I want to just elucidate this principle for our listeners. Mm-hmm. And that is that, that when we, formally contradict the revealed teaching of the church and we do so persistently, okay, Mm -hmm. uh, from an educated place, right? So you go, it isn't just like, as you said, it isn't just that I don't know that I'm contradicting because I'm ignorant or I didn't just say something and then 
you know, somebody corrected me and I go, oh yeah, you're right, my bad. And I recanted it. It's when I persist in, in contradicting the revealed truth of the church, I have tripped into this area of formal heresy. Mm-hmm. And so that means that we have to be conscious that there is a revealed truth and in a sense that there are lines that we are called to stay within, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and and I think the, or one of the takeaways, at least for just the average Catholic or the average person is that this isn't, it's not like some minefield of where, you know, if if you say something a little bit wrong or if you don't know how to articulate the the theology right. of the Trinity or something. The that Spanish gonna, Inquisition right. isn't going to come charging in like on Monty Python. Well, and, even when and, it know. was the Spanish Inquisition, right. they would have at least given you a trial. And if you were like, <laughs> right. no, 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 I wasn't trying <laughs> right. to be a heretic. Like, right. Um, it isn't like the Spanish Inquisition, like in Monty Python is going to charge into the room and burn you as a witch. That's not the issue. Mm-hmm. But the issue is, is that like you say, for the average listener, the average Catholic or the average Christian is to be aware that, uh, to, to be aware that Christianity is a revealed religion. And that's where these three episodes we've been doing here in succession are about. It is a revealed religion based on propositional truth. The notion that, as we said in Hebrews 11, 1, that faith is the belief and assurance in unseen things. And that that, that doctrine is what shapes in a gospel. And as Paul said, there is a gospel and there's a right gospel and we are called to you know be faithful to it. And when we bend or twist that too far, it becomes unfaithful, it becomes a false gospel. We begin to contradict those revealed truths of the faith that define us. And when we do so, we trip into this zone where the only word for it is heresy. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think the takeaway or the sort of call to action um, is know the teachings of the faith. Find out what it is if you're not as informed as, as you would like to be, get informed. There are lots of, there are lots of ways um, I can put in a plug for, for the Lakeshore Academy for the new evangelization, which is one great way, but there's a ton of ways um, to know the faith. And then if you encounter things that you weren't aware of that are teachings of the church that you struggle with, have that honest struggle, like have it out in prayer with God and in, in encounter with the teachings of the church. And I pray that that will lead you to a place where you're in conformity with Christ and with the church, but you can't do that unless you're deliberate about it. You're not going to be um, informed about the teachings of the church just by osmosis. So I'm going to ask you to commit to something here on the air, which you may or may not be comfortable with. (laughs) But have you ever received a traffic ticket, Corey? I have. Ah, okay. So this is now you kind of confessing. I mean, on I the paid air. for it, so my my oh. debt to society is, uh, 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 is uh, uh, done. Okay. Yeah. Now, when when I don't have an outstanding traffic. When, ticket. Okay. There's no <laughs> outstanding warrants on you. Yes. Uh, but when uh, when you know, officer officer Bob popped on the party lights and pulled mm-hmm. you over. Right. Mm-hmm. And he comes walking up with all that creaking leather and his sunglasses. And he says, you know, show me your license and registration. Right. And then he, he says, do you, do you know why I pulled you over? Mm-hmm. I don't know what your traffic ticket was, but I know that I have had at least one traffic ticket in my lifetime where I was informed that I had done something that I didn't like really know was wrong because mm-hmm. like I, there was some like traffic law. I go, really? I'm yeah. not supposed to do that. It happens. Yeah. And I'm like, huh? But see, it's in, but what officer Bob will tell you is it's an incumbent upon you to know the traffic laws. Mm-hmm. And 
And you can't say I'm ignorant of the traffic laws. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Mm -hmm. And so applying that in a sense to our faith, there is a certain responsibility that we have to uh, be aware of what the truths of the faith are. That does not mean that everybody has to go out and get a a bachelor's degree or a master's degree in theology yeah. and all well, this and kind of stuff. Well, it's an ongoing process. You're not going to learn everything in a day. Right. But we, but ignorance of the faith is not really an excuse for contradicting the faith to some degree. Again, right. There's not every, it has to be a formal thing, but we should know the fundamental truths of the faith. When we in mass every week say the Nicene Creed, and a lot of us maybe will just say it by rote memorization and don't even really realize what we're saying, but what we're doing is we're reciting the fundamental revealed truths of the faith. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of, and then if we go out and we say things that contradict, so let me just give you a quick example of that. I mentioned this, I think, an episode or two ago. I was having dinner with uh, my wife and I having dinner with another couple that are Catholic and, and the other couple started talking about reincarnation. And I thought they were like, it was like, you know, like dinner banter, like a joke, <laughs> you know? So I started making a joke about, well, I want to come back as a koala bear or something because, you know, I'd be cuter. I'd finally be cute or something, you know? Ah, you know, and they're like, no, but they're serious. And I'm like, my wife and I are like each other, like they're actually serious. We're sitting at dinner. This is super awkward, right? <laughs> and, right. And, and they're like, well, you know, I mean, reincarnation, I, think, you know, you can be, I don't, you know, Catholic, I mean, I'm a Catholic, but I think I can believe in that. Right. And they go, no, you can't because did you ever go to mass? And did you ever say in mass, the Nicene creed, which is that, right. You believe in the resurrection, Resurrection. right. Then you said it, you believe in it. So you have confessed a doctrinal truth about our eternal destiny. Now, the thing is, is they never thought about that. Yeah, or they just didn't know what it meant. Yeah. And this is like Officer Bob pulling you over and saying, uh, Mr. Lakatos, do you know why I pulled you over? And you go, not really. (laughs) You know, well, you Mm -hmm. broke a obscure traffic law back there. And I go, really? I didn't, I didn't even know that was a law. And he goes, well, you know, that's ignorance of the law is no excuse. And in other words, we have some responsibility, Mm -hmm. adult responsibility. That's why we have confirmation. We are confirming you in your faith. We have an adult responsibility to know the fundamental truths of the faith, at least those that are contained in, for example, the Nicene Creed, and to know what they mean and not to contradict them. Yeah. Well, and you bring up confirmation, which is something that um, often is done in in youth for people who are are raised Catholic. And, and I would say that there's an equal, maybe an even more grave responsibility for parents to make sure that their their children um, receive an adequate education in the truths of the faith, um, so that you're not setting them up um, for for problems in their adulthood. Right, right, and so that that makes it incumbent on us as as parents, as Christian parents, to raise our children and raise our families and our households into mm-hmm. not only. Uh, knowing the faith, but practicing the faith and, and having an awareness of it to be, uh, t- to understand it enough to, to be able to be responsible. Right. You can't for, give, for to it. you can't give to your children what you don't already have yourself. Yeah. And, uh, because, you know, none of us wants to be pulled over, you know, by the Holy spirit and told that we're a heretic. I don't know. That's a good turn and all that G right. But mm-hmm. right. I mean, nobody, you know, we all have an accountability before God and to be, able to say that I was faithful to the faith 
and I held to the faith once and for all given to the saints. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, and I think we just need, I mean, with your, your traffic cop metaphor, I think amongst Catholics, we need to have a culture in which we're comfortable in talking about the truths of the faith. And when, you know, somebody says something about reincarnation or who knows what, or their, you know, moral beliefs or practices, um, in an appropriate way, an appropriate time. I'm not saying just fly off the handle at anybody um, over anything, but to be to be comfortable with talking about this and being able to, in charity, correct and reprove each other. I mean, St. Paul, who we've been referencing a lot, talks about doing that um, and did it and practiced it himself. Um, and we see witness to that in the scriptures that we, we have to be able to help each other with this. Um, it's not something that we merely do alone. And that's a good word to end on. Uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. So thank you, Corey. Mm-hmm. We have been here a long time this evening, but uh, hopefully uh, you listeners have enjoyed these three episodes and you'll join us in the future. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. My name is Greg Smith, and if you've enjoyed this podcast, would you please hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you get your podcasts, and please share it with others. And if you're curious about the Catholic worldview and faith, the Church and its saints, or Catholic history, culture, and art, then visit consideringcatholicism.com. And email me to let me know what you think, greg at consideringcatholicism.com.